Yeah, g'day. I'm Waddy from Barefoot Fishing Safaris. Um, I'm a fishing guide here in Northern Territory and I do every style of fishing. But uh, I've always been pretty passionate, perhaps um, in the closet, fly fisher. And recently I've uh, taken up fly tying again. I actually started tying flies when I was living and working in America, um, early 2000s, maybe about 2004. Um, yeah, I was uh, working on a farm over there and the guys trout fished a lot and tied their own flies and it's a great thing to do on a cold night and that's when I started. We're in your, your, well, one of probably several man caves uh, out at your place in the rural area. Can you just go around the room and describe what we're looking at here? Because to my eyes it's, it's quite a sight. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're in a 40-foot demountable donger, um, has seen better days. Uh, half of it's taken up with my general fishing storage and the other half, which we're sort of sitting in amongst now, is the fly tying stuff. It's spread out over two desks and a couple of cupboards, half a dozen boxes of feathers, we've got foam, various different wriggly legs, flashes and fillers and body material up on the wall, all sorts of different feathers as well, some that I pluck out of our birds that wander around our place here. Um, the shoe rack on the wall over behind us there's um, loaded full of bucktail and other random animal hair. And um, there's also some of that on the floor that the dog chewed up when I wasn't looking. So, <laughs> Murph didn't get fed that night, but I think he had already eaten half the bucktail anyway. But luckily, though, I do know where everything is, but coming in here, you would probably think that I don't. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Let's go back to basics a little bit on fly tying. What is the process? What are you trying to, to make, and why is that so effective? Yeah, it's a it's pretty simple when you compare it to other regular styles of fishing, I suppose. It's a bit like um, perhaps getting a custom colour of a lure done or maybe shaving a, bib, a bit off the bib to make it dive or swim a bit differently. Um, I guess we're, we're looking to solve a problem that we've got in fishing and, and that can be to, to match a particular type of bait or scenario that is otherwise hard to do. And because we can do it virtually weightless, just using feathers and fur, you're only limited by your own creativity, which is a, it's a really rewarding thing to do, to catch a fish on a fly that you've tied, and particularly one that you come up with in your own head. Animal fur. What role does that play, and why would you go for one fur over another for, for one situation? Yeah, it's a pretty deep conversation. There's, um, there's podcasts and books written about this stuff that go for hours and hundreds of pages, but the various different types of animal hair and that's totally excluding all the synthetics which can be made exactly as you want them to these days but the various different types of animal hair are all constructed differently say for example a bucktail each each strand of hair or each fiber is is hollow so it'll behave in a different way to um, say a, a skunk tail which i've got one of those up there as well <laughs> you got a skunk tail i've got a skunk tail and i just got that so i saw it online i thought oh yeah i definitely need one of those but yeah uh, behaves a bit differently as well and then of course you go into the rabbits i, I use a bit of red fox tail um, from the side of the road down in victoria as well coyote people use polar bear all sorts of different things and and they all do behave differently they take dyes differently and um and you can create different um combinations uh with them so you're constantly scanning like the roadkill that you pass, you know, on your way down to Dundee or or out to Shady for its fly tying potential. Yeah, that's right. Every now and then I'll stop on the side of the road and grab a dead pheasant kukul or something off the side of the road. I, I've had a I've had a look at most animals that you'll come across um, here. I've used kangaroo fur a lot in the past down south. 
um, possum as well. The one that I was sort of hoping might work up here but didn't um, was bandicoot because every now and then you'll see a bandicoot on the side of the road. But no, they're pretty fine hair and a bit too short for what, what I want to do with. So I have to wait till we get one in his winter coat maybe. Have you ever used your own hair, facial or otherwise, for, for these purposes? Uh, look, I haven't actually used my own hair. I've used um, our dog's hair and a border collie dog I used to have Border Collie hair and Golden Retriever hair actually makes really good um, material to tie flies for milk fishing Darwin Harbour. Uh, but I did see a video, um, somehow it came across my computer screen the other day um, while I was working hard of a, of a girl who did chop off a big chunk of her hair, tied it to a hook and, and caught a rooster fish in Mexico, I think. So yeah, maybe I'll give it a try. Yeah, have a, have a redhead friend just for the purpose. Yeah, that's right. That's why you just need to have one one ranger in your friendship circle, and just sneak up behind him every now and then and get a little handful. You've also got a a clothes rack there with um with a real gamut of feather boas there hanging up. It looks like you're ready for a drag show. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I do use those at other times for other activities, um, but it does look like it's straight out of the dress up box. There's, uh, you know, you walk into the $2 shop, there's feathers there of different colours. You need one of each. So there they are. I use them every now and then. <laughs> one gets the impression that Spotlight is your friend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they, it's funny you go into Spotlight, um, you know, your fishing gear, they know <laughs> where to point you to. Um, yeah, I've got a membership card, you know. I'm proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> they used to fish. I was sauntering in there. Yeah, that's right. Especially, you could always tell a fly fisher, I think, could wander around with a bag full of feathers and other t- tinsely type things in a spotlight cart. Talking about the actual tying of the flies, it seems like it's a very intricate process involving like sometimes like a lot of different materials piled into kind of one lure. How difficult is it to actually tie flies? It's like all these things, I suppose, you can go as as deep into it as you want um I d- definitely the once you get into the trout style flies that they, they, they really are precision i mean everything's so small and the and the proportions of the insects you're trying to match are are so fine detail uh we're lucky up here that um you know most of our bait and stuff we're trying to replicate a bit bigger so it's it's a bit less detail but you know you can tie a bit of bucktail onto a hook and and that's a bucktail jig right and we've been catching fish all over the place with them forever or you can go right down as far as we've got these game changers sitting in front of us here it's got all sorts of articulated shanks and foam and um, special tails built for it and brushes that are specially designed to color fade and all that sort of thing that thing takes me an hour and a half to tie and and a a bucktail fly um, clouds it might take you three minutes and probably catch the same amount of fish over a period of a year on the two as well so the tying and how how far you go into the detail of it often is down to your personality and and why you're doing it you know a lot of it for me is i came over here last night and sat down and tied half a dozen just as a bit of a wind down after work but also doing it for a purpose so it, it depends which side of that sliding scale you're on at the time but for me, it's, a, it's been a good one to get back into because it, it's um, short-term rewards. Um, you know, you can tie a couple of flies in half an hour and, and look at it and go, oh, yeah, that's nice, I did that. Whereas you look at the other side of the room here and we've got the, all the rod-building stuff and, and that's sort of a two-week process and um, and I, I lose interest halfway through it half the time. So short-term reward for a brain like mine works well. <laughs> just Just multiple small dopamine hits. Yeah, that's what I need for sure. So is it actually like a bit of a, I kind of want to say meditation? Ah, uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, 
when I'm doing uh, time flies, like I was last night particularly, I was really concentrating on what I wanted to achieve and, and the and the step-by-step process that I'd sort of um, noted down to, to follow for myself. So uh, I didn't really have bandwidth to think about anything else. So it does it does help you to wind down and um, be a bit of a break away from everything else. So that's been something that's sort of proven with fishing in general is that you tend to get mental health benefits from it. And I think fly tying is, is definitely down that same path. Is there one fly up here sort of above others that, that you find yourself tying specifically for, for Barra? Yeah, that's a, it's another rabbit warren to go down. But um, for Barra... The pink thing sort of style of fly, there's another one called Augusto, which is sort of a Peter Morse variation, a bit of a dumb, I shouldn't say dumb down, but a thin down version of it, a bit quicker and easier to tie, a bit smaller. Um, that's a really common one to throw around the billabongs. I tie a lot of these gurgler flies, which is just a little surface popper, and, and you can catch barra in the fresh or the salt on those, and uh, as well as the Saratoga and anything else that's hanging around. So, you know, that's probably the one that we tie on the most on a guided trip because it's so effective and, and of course, visually really fun to do. But if there was one fly to rule them all, it's it's certainly the clouser. It's just a really simple thing. It's a bait fish imitation, and it can be tied in, you know, any um, number of different styles and, and colour combinations and, and weights as well. So you can virtually cut any fish that's going to eat another fish will, will eat a clouser. Yeah, it's just been proven over and over and over again in salt and fresh comps up here and on guided days. It, it actually frustrates me a little bit when everyone, all they want to do is tie on a clouser because I, I spend all this time coming up with all these other wacky ideas. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, you've got to, yeah, well, sometimes you tie on the most effective fly. Otherwise, you tie on the one that you want to catch a fish on, which is like any other lure crafting or anything else you do. You talked about the game changer about being reluctant to throw it. I mean, like they, they all of them, the, the ones that that you've shown me so far, they all look like mini works of art. Like I'd be reluctant to throw any of them. <laughs> yeah, I guess it depends what you're um, throwing them for. And a lot of flies these days are tied purely for aesthetics. And I've got that little display thing there, which you can clip them on and take beautiful photos of. Uh, there's some amazing things that people do with um, particularly spun deer hair and that sort of thing that really are they're just show pieces uh, but of course for me up here we're, we're really just um, focused on tying them up to, to catch fish with them Like if you were to take stock of every material that you've got right now do you need to buy anything else for the rest of your life theoretically? Uh, who's going to listen to this? <laughs> Well, I, I, I would definitely have enough bucktail to last me for the rest of my life. So that should be right until there's a nice seafoam green or something colour that I haven't got that, you know, will make that perfect little white bait imitation out in six mile that I need. So we never say never because we don't want to limit ourselves and, and sort of, um, you know, and stop progress with, with our fly time. It's, it's a creative outlet and you don't want to put the brakes on it. Look, it was a cruel question, really. <laughs> you got a few things going on, Waddy, with, with charters and whatnot, but it seems like uh, in terms of brain space, this right here could take up, probably does take up quite a bit of your brain. Yeah, it's it's my number one procrastination. And for time and time, or from time and time, I, I have to come in here, tidy everything up and pack it away uh, because I do find myself spending more and more time here when I should be doing other things Um, and 
actually got myself into a bit of a problem the other day. I bought a, a new computer, so now I seem to have one computer running YouTube fly time videos and the other one do, with the admin stuff on, and oh, you can guess how that goes most days. <laughs> but, you know, like at the end of the day, it's it's probably a pretty healthy thing to procrastinate on uh, as well. There's some cool stuff um, getting around online where, with fly tying groups who'll have a, have a Zoom session and, you know, sit down with a glass of whiskey, tie a couple of flies, talk about a few problems or dramas you might be having at home or work with the missus, whatever it might be. And, um, yeah, just a good good place to come and defrag the brain, whether it's with company or, or without. What do you, I feel like we've basically just only scratched the surface of this entire light universe, but, but thanks heaps for for sharing a little bit of it. We'll have to take a deeper dive next time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's a deep, deep world once you get into it, mate. So it might be someone like yourself might be um, best off to stay at arm's length of it too much. Okay, if you want to have a try, come over here and do it. But uh, perhaps the worst thing you could do would be buy yourself a vice. It's, it's downhill from there. <laughs>